I'm going to share with you today a message to start off not only the new year, but also the new decade in a message entitled, First Things First. It's not working. All right, help me. First Things First. But before I do that, all right, and I will spend the first uh, 20 minutes or thereabouts of this sermon telling you the direction of this church for the next one year. I always do that. We're called casting vision. All right, and we will do that bit by bit over the next one month so that you know as you come into this church what is the direction God is leading us into not something totally new that you've never heard before, but in this church, God always lead us Lanka Dami Lanka, one step at a time. So whatever I share with you afterwards in a short while has been built on what God has revealed to us in the previous years. So we go forward one step at a time, but we're moving forward anyway. So let me begin by sharing with you the theme of this year. As you know, last year, if you have been following us in this church, the theme was, together we follow Jesus. All right? So, it's a discipleship journey. It's a discipleship journey, and being a journey, it has never stopped. In other words, we keep moving. We have not reached our destination yet. So, we, as a leadership of this church, would encourage you in 2020 to continue to follow Jesus, because it's a journey, right? All right, it's a journey. So I would encourage you this year, go further. Go deeper. Want to draw closer to God and not play church. Don't do that. God is God. He knows exactly who you are, what you do in secret, where you are. You cannot bluff God. You can bluff pastor. You cannot bluff God. So this year, determine in your heart to go further with God. Follow him. Follow his ways. It's not that we don't know his ways. You can't, you can't bluff God. I don't know, ma. You know, la. The key is, will you obey or not? So I add in one dimension this year, which tells me that you are growing, and it is reproduction. How do I know that you are growing? Reproduction is a sign of maturity. Is a sign of adulthood. So this year, can I encourage you, not only do you want to grow, but reproduce, but don't reproduce after your own kind, eh? because what, man? But reproduce after the Jesus kind. Because that's how we ended last year. When we ended last year, after 66 sermons on the Gospel of Matthew, 66 sermons, you know, we came to the conclusion that Jesus said, not I say, not everybody say, after you have heard all of these things now, you now you go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, reproduce. And I wrote at the forward and the opening message of this new bulletin, and those of you who don't have a copy, get a copy. This is a new format. 
is very well done, a lot of effort in the put into this. So this the booklet form, it tells you what's going to happen in SIBKL for the next month of January. So every month, we're going to have a new booklet, and it's very well written, very well done. In one sweep, it tells you what's happening in this church, and you follow us. And I wrote there, reproducing, meaning replicate, restore, repair, whatever that's been broken, bring it back to life again. So that life now begins to flow again. And not only flow, you now begin to multiply, grow. Do it this year. Grow, multiply into maturity and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus says, I will be with you always when you do that. What about the pulpit sermons? We decided that this year, we go to the Old Testament. Last year, we did Matthew. Previous year, we did Ephesians. Previous to that, we did Romans. So we thought that this year, we will now go into four books of the Old Testament, and these four books are intentionally compiled together. Why? Because each one of these four prophets, Haggai, Nehemiah, a leader, Ezra, Zechariah, all live around the same period of the restoration of Israel after they came back after 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And as they come back, they need to repair. They need to build again. They need to start all over again, reproduce, multiply and grow the nation of Israel. And we can draw enormous, profound spiritual lessons from these four books of the Old Testament. We begin with Haggai. Next two months, beginning today, we begin with the book of Haggai and the mistake there. After that, we go to Ezra. I found out as a red bag again, Ezra is the most suitable book after Haggai. Then we will spend the major part of this year doing Nehemiah. Enormous, wonderful lessons from the book of Nehemiah. And then we will end with the book of Zechariah, which not only tells what happens during that time, but also predicts the future till Jesus comes back. So this is, you're going to be exciting. Going to be exciting time of learning together. You know, I, I go to cells. And one of the things I ask the people when I visit cells, tell me your name. Two questions I ask everyone. Number one, how long have you been in SIBKL? Second question is more pertinent. Why do you stay? There are so many good churches around the Klang Valley, you know. Why stay? Uh? Nine out of ten tell me this. Pastor, I come to SIBKL and I stay because of the pulpit teaching. Ever since I came to this church, I grow in my spiritual life. I have learned to love the Lord more and the fire inside of me is reignited again. The pulpit teaching is paramount in this church. So this year, it's going to be awesome. We're going into the New Old Testament in these four books, and believe me, you will be blessed. You will remember at the 25th anniversary that we celebrated on the 17th of November. How many of you were there? Can I see your hands? In the balcony? Majority of you, but some of you weren't clearly. 
You will remember me quoting from the book of Haggai, and that's why we're going to start in a short while, that the promise God gives to us in SIBKL, more so this year, after 25 years of God's faithfulness, as we celebrated our silver jubilee on the 17th of November, the promise of God to us, and I lay hold on it, is this. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former one. This is exactly what I shared at the 25th anniversary. Why? Because I believe in it. This is the promise of God to us in this church. The glory is His presence. In other words, God will continue to be with us as He had been with us. Thus far, the Lord has helped us and He will continue to help us in the next 25 years. And I shared with you and I remind you that I said that the ceiling of the first 25 years of this church will now be our floor for the next 25. And the glory of the Lord will fill the house. Not bricks and mortars, huh? Why? Because when God said that to Haggai at that time, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former one. There was no temple. What house? All rubble. In other words, right from the beginning, it's never brick and mortars. It's about spirituality. The glory of the Lord, His presence, if you continue to walk with Him, will fill this house. Every one of us is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This house, in all the four services, we might even start a fifth service in SMCC because it's packed out. Five services. Come on, let's keep going. But more important than the growth and the reproduction, but it's the presence of the Lord. And God's promise is this. If you continue faithfully with me, the glory of the second half of your life. For you younger ones, the glory of the next three quarters of your life will be greater than the, than the first half. Amen. Amen? This is the promise of God to you and to me. And I take it, as a senior pastor, I take it for my sheep. And I say, Lord, thank you. We will continue to be faithful to you. This year, we're going to do something never done before in the first 25 years. We are going to expand territorially. We are going to move geographically. Why? Because the church is growing. As the church begins to grow, one of my understanding is, as it begins to grow bigger and bigger, it's very hard to care for those at the periphery. So we need now to make sure that we now only, not only grow in the mother church, we now want to take the church out in bite size so that now a segment of the mother church now begins to plong ourselves in another geographical location and multiply and yet still be part of the mother church. In other words, for the first time, we're going to do church plants. Whoa! We're going to have three church plants this year and this will set the direction of the future of SIBKL over the next decade. 
what it means is that we will now begin to plant a church in another location having the same DNA as the mother church. It's not that you throw them out into the deep blue sea and forget about them and you grow, you grow, you die, you die. It's not like that. In other words, we set you up to win. Your success is our success and all the resources that's available to us in SIVKL, we set you up to win so that when whatever place God has put you in, you grow, you multiply, you reproduce. This is a year of reproduction, ma. Come on, let's give God a clap. Offering you a clap. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for His wisdom. Praise the Lord for His timing. Why didn't we do it earlier? Not the time yet, but now is the time. We move. Influence, grow, expand, multiply, reproduce, and gain territory, at least in the Crank Valley to begin with. So three church plants. Every one of these church plants are distinctively select target group. It is not plant a church, plant a church, it's not. You will find that each of these three church plants have a different distinctive target group. First church plant is in Sungai Buloh. We still keep the brand name SIBKL, alright? So it's SIBKL at Sungai Buloh, SIBKL at SIBKL. So in other words, same DNA, ma. same governance, ma. same everything, same. Preaching also everything, same, alright? But it's different locality. So the, why Sungai Buloh? Eh? Because when we wrecked the place, and I went there several times, prayer drive, prayer walk, I sense in my spirit that that place is changed. I didn't know, and the last time I went to Kaibulo, literally many, many years ago, just to move around the place, I've been there on and off, on and off. Lah. But when I was driven around the whole locality, my goodness me, Sukaibulo has changed. Universities are there, schools are there, name it, no, wow, and it's expand taman after taman, and people are flocking there, MRT is there. 20 minutes only from here, you know. And when I saw that, wow, I said, Lord, let us introduce the light into this dark place and usher in the kingdom of God in Sungai Buloh. <laughs> Any one of you here live around Sungai Buloh area? Can I see your hand? Praise the Lord. Raise your hand high. Praise God. Your prayers have been answered. So we wrecked the place and we found this place directly opposite the Kampong Salamat MRT station. MRT station is here. It's the second last station, Tsukai Bulo station. Opposite there's a bridge across it. This complex called Damansara Central. So we found a place inside there. They built this place actually to be the food court, but it didn't jadi, so we took it over. We're going to convert the food court into a sanctuary of God. Whoa! Time frame, May 2020 will be the first one. And we have assigned Pastor Fergus and Athalia together with Pastor Ramesh and Denise. Remember, it's Pastor Ramesh. Why? Because Ramesh lives in that area. That is his hometown, his home ground, all right? And he told me he has been praying about this for many years. And so Pastor Ramesh, are we going to pray for him in a short while together with Denise? 
who is going to be the lay pastor to help Pastor Fergus spearhead this church plant. The second church plant has a different clientele, different target group, and is totally different, and this is something which has never yet been done before in Malaysia, and that is workplace. We're going to plant a church in the workplace. Instead of bringing the workplace into the church, now we have the church in the workplace. Because that now becomes the mission field. First time ever, we're going to have a workplace church, meaning the church doesn't meet on a weekend, it meets, it meets on a weekday. So that the people around can now bring their colleagues during lunch hour, during after office hours, don't go home yet, huh, to a church. And we call that workplace at the river. I tell you why at the river. You notice that SIBKL is not mentioned. Why? Because it's interchurch. Because we now open it, even though we host it, members of other churches can bring their colleagues to the, this church plant, win them to the Lord, and bring them back to your own church. Locality is this place in the central business district of Kuala Lumpur, at the confluence of the KL and the Gombak River, this place is called Wisma Maran. The owner, Kayib, right at the center here, has very graciously given to us one floor. Come on, let's give what a clap offering to him. It's amazing right at the centre of the business district of Kuala Lumpur, where the banks are there, OCBC Bank, Hong Kong Shanghai Bank, Standard Chartered Bank, and many other banks. You know, the, 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 the Christian fellowship of all these banks are so happy that you are coming. Why? They can now bring, them, bring their friends in. Ma. It's going to be wonderful. A church plant in the workplace itself and this place is strategic. Why? Because it is as a confluence of the Gombak and KL River, this historically was the origin of Kuala Lumpur. This place, Wisma Maran, is built at the same site of the house of Kapitan Yap Aloy, the founder of Kuala Lumpur. Historically, it's very important. Spiritually and strategically, God has opened the door for us to regain territory. Amen? Yeah. Do you know that this place is ground zero for Kuala Lumpur? Because from here, everything counts the mileage. This is ground zero. You go up to the top of Wisma Maran. On this side is Tataran Merdeka, where the proclamation of Malaya's independence was made. Strategic, historical. We're going to build prayer altars there. Alpha in the workplace. And believe me, I can foresee it growing more and more and more. Maybe we have church every day of the week. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Whoa! And these are some of the core people. Went up to the top of, the, of Wisma Maran last year. Blew the trumpet, blew the shofar. Even as they praised and they worshipped before they closed, there was a rainbow. Pastor Sam Kiong, 
And Pastor Joel Vergis, the one who emceed just now, will spearhead this move. You notice that in each of these church plants, two pastors will spearhead this. They are still connected to the mother church. We are still very much part of them. An integral part, I see this as spokes of a wheel. The, the picture I gave to my leaders is the spokes of a wheel where the mother church is still connected with all the spokes of the wheel. Not just separated, but very much an integral part of you and me. In other words, we are concerned. We will pray for them. We will use all the resources God has given to us in the mother church and set them up to win. This will be the modus operandi of the way SIBKL will now move now for the first time to spread, grow, expand, multiply, reproduce initially in the Klang Valley. The third church plan, as I told you, is different. It's the next generation. The next generation, now the life gen, which is the college group, will now be en masse taken from this church, still very much part of us, and now plonked into a different setup. We have already looked at a locality, also around the MRT. We are negotiating, we are looking at it seriously. Don't tell you where it is yet. But this one is very specifically to win the next generation for Jesus Christ. Isn't it important? Isn't it important? Yes. And the locality they have chosen at the moment is very near the colleges, very near the universities. Can you imagine? The advantage of this church plant is, compared to the other two, uh, is that immediately they've got a core group of 200 people. How not to succeed? Not 200, what not? 200 vibrant young people on fire for Jesus Christ, you know. Whoa! They are playmakers, history makers. They are fire lighters, is it? Fire igniters, whatever they call themselves. <laughs> this is very exciting. It's going to be a very exciting year this year as SIBKL begins to move and grow, not only in terms in the mother church, but also strategically to influence the nation and impact generations. And the people uh, that are doing that would be uh, Pastor Tabby, who is the heading, as well as now Pastor Michael Lamb. We're going to pray for them in a short while. All right, so we're going to make Pastor Michael, Patty's husband, a lay pastor. And also, Ao Yong Wai Yan, you remember him giving such wonderful messages from here? Together with Melody, they will now spearhead this moon. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Which means to say that after LifeGen moves out sometime in May or thereabouts next year, or this year, what about campus people coming in, in the future, in years to come? Clearly, we have to start a new campus ministry, all right? And the new campus ministry is called Society. <laughs> this is something I don't fathom, I don't understand, but for, for reasons known to themselves, uh, they call themselves society, all right? And uh, Pastor John Ngan will spearhead this. It makes logical sense. Why? Because Pastor John is already heading the narrow street. Ma. Now he takes over the campus so that there's a continuation. So that those people from narrow street will now go into campus ministry. So a new campus ministry will now emerge out 
in SIBKL beginning from March this year, all right? Now, LifeGen is still very much part of SIBKL. It's not a separate church, but we want to send them off, send them off, release them into another geographic locality to win their generation for Jesus. So come on, let's give God a, a grab offering for all the three church plants. Amen. Now, I, I'm going to pray. Can I, can I ask Pastor Ramesh and Denise to come on the stage? Uh, Pastor Michael and Tabitha to come on the stage. And Miranda. M Miranda will now be the pastoral intern. Whoa! She hates the whole media and multimedia as well as one of the young adult pastors. All right, so she's going to be a pastoral intern. Even as I come up to the stage, I also want to show you there are going to be two new council members, Tak Singh and Elvin and Vernon and Shirlene. Can I call them up? I know uh, Taksing and uh, uh, Elvin is overseas, the outstation. Is Vernon and Shirlene here? Vernon, yeah, there they are. Come on, let's give God a clap offering for all these dear people. I want you to, to pray with me for them. Let's release them. Let's pray for them that even as they now going to move in a different face and different level of their life to serving the Lord, let's pray that the Lord will bless them, protect them, you know, depend totally on the Lord so that they are not on their own. Amen? We bless them, we pray for them, that the Lord will give them wisdom and courage even to lead even every one of us into a new level. Can, can I encourage you to stand up with me? Can you do mind? Let's stretch our hands towards them both in the balcony as well. Let's commit every one of them to the Lord. Father God, we stand before you in this assembly of your people, both young and both old. And as Father, we know it is not by accident or coincidence that there are children here. There are fathers here. There are grandfathers here. This is your assembly of your people. And today, we want to thank you for each and every one of these dear people here, including Taksing and Elvin, who's not here with us. We bless them. We thank you for their willingness and their availability to offer themselves, Lord, to serve you, not only to build this church, but to build kingdom. Father, building a church is a project far too small for you. In your perspective, it is kingdom. So, Father, we want to bless them, release them to expand your kingdom in this nation of Malaysia. So, Father, we ask you to bless their families, bless their loved ones, affirm them again and again that even as they take care of your house, you have always promised, I will be with you and I will bless you. So, Father, we thank you for every one of these dear people. We bless them, Lord, and we ask you to continue to give them the joy so that they see this as a privilege to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Now, God's people say aloud. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's go to an offering. God bless you. Miranda, God bless you. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you. Bear up with me for the next 15 minutes.
Let me share with you what the Lord is saying to us in the midst of all of these programs and adventures. Because ultimately, we have to hear the Lord and hear Him accurately. And not only hear, but obey. The Lord says to you and to me this year, put me first. First things first. And so, from the first sermon of the book of Haggai, this is exactly what is in the mind of God as He puts into our heart to share with you so that it's not a sermon, but it's what the Lord is saying to you and to me. Can I encourage you, church, as I did in all the other two services, as I will do in the fourth service at 2.30, take it seriously. If God speaks, not me, I'm a postman. I only deliver the message. I'm the postman. After I've delivered you the, the message, I feel very happy. Because now the ball is on your court, <laughs> not mine. So I'm the postman, that's all. Nothing more, nothing less. A mouthpiece for God, that's all. Nothing more, nothing less. In the book of Haggai, let me read. Why don't we read? Let's all read together. Shall we do that? All right, left to right, front to back, fr top to bottom, read out loud, all right? Every time you have scripture on the stage, on the screen, it is the Word of God. Everything will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. Understand? So very important. Let's all read the Word of God together. Shall we do that loud and clear so that you hear yourself reading it? Ready? One, two, three. Oh, King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the Word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josodak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains a ruin? Give careful thought to your ways. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, you never have your fill. You put on clothes, are not warm. You earn wages. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Build my house. Says the Lord. You expected much, but see. What you brought home? Because of my house. Which you is busy with your own house. The heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth is crossed. Who withheld the dew? God. Why? They have no time for God. Dr. E.N. Gray, one of the most successful and influential stockbroker in the history of U.S., did an analysis 
of what makes successful people successful? What is the one single common denominator of success? And after years of research, he gave a very auspicious address in Philadelphia. He came to the conclusion that the common denominator of successful people is not hard work, even though it is very important, because you can work hard and not be successful. It is not good fortune, as many people in the secular world say, ha, it's good luck, it's not that. Neither is it high EQ, meaning a good relationship, even though it's very important. He came to the conclusion that the one single common denominator, common denominator of successful people is that they are able to master the habit of priorities. They keep the main thing, the main thing. They are not distracted by so many things. So they put here, put here, put there. At the end of the day, they are distracted. And they make a mess of their lives because they cannot sit still. They cannot have focused attention on what they should do in their lives. And he writes this, and I quote this segment of his essay. He says, The successful person has the habit of doing the things failures don't like to do. They may not like doing them either, but their disliking is subordinated to the strength of their purpose. In other words, there's a higher call. A higher purpose now overrides the mundane and they focus on that and they are very successful. Guess what? That's exactly what the Lord is saying to the children of Israel, through the prophet Haggai, to you and to me at the beginning of this year. Put me first. First things first. I can almost sense a revolution in some of you. What? What do you mean by that, Pastor? Does it mean I need to sacrifice? I need to give more? I need more time? More, more, more? No, la. None of these things. No, it's okay one to do your panel houses. Okay one to kick care God is not that kind of a God, but don't neglect the house of God. The key is this. Don't neglect the house of God. That's exactly what they were doing. They say, it is not yet time. It is not yet time for me to build the house of God. They start your own business. Nothing wrong with that, my friend. Don't get me wrong. But in all your perspective, where is God in your life? That's exactly what I shared with you at the wash night service. For 20 years in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Ark of the Covenant was in Israel's territory, came back again after Ichabod, but it was in Keres Jerim at the fringe never at the center. It was David who brought the ark back into the center. For 20 years, God was in the house and yet not in the center of their lives. It's the same for you. For all of these years, where is God at the fringe? When I need you, I come to you, God. 
When I'm troubled, I pray to you. When I'm sick, I come to you. Otherwise, don't disturb me. That's exactly God's challenge to the trip of Israel. Nothing wrong with building your houses. What about my house? What about my kingdom? What hindered them? Two things. Distraction. Other things are important. I'm not saying they're not important. They were totally distracted. And that's what the devil wants you to do. I'm not saying that it's not important. But can I challenge you, in the beginning of this year, put God back first in your life, in your family, in your business. First things first. This is God speaking. This is the kingdom principle. Why? Uh? Look, the world works on physical laws. You jump down from a 30-story building, you die. It's gravity. Everything that we live, there are physical laws. Same in the spiritual realm. There are spiritual laws and God cannot violate His own laws. And one of the laws is this. You put me first. You seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Why, huh? Ask God. <laughs> I told you I'm only a postman. Huh? I'm only the postman. Huh? Obstacles. They were discouraged. They came back. Hey, is it easy to rebuild the temple? No. They had opposition from Samaritans, opposition from everybody. And they were discouraged. Do you think building God's house is easy? No. It will inconvenience you. So you give up. Lah. After all, the contact was this. For 70 years, they had lived without the temple anyway. What's the big deal? They had no temple in Babylonian, ma. Babylon. Ma. 70 years they had lived without the temple. What's the big deal, God? My business is successful. I'm okay. But God says no. If you and I want to move to another level this year, have complete breakthrough in your life, God says you put me first. That's the divine order. So people say, it's not yet time to build God's house. God says, no, you put me first. And the result, there was spiritual dryness. There was drought. There were holes in their pockets. All the millions disappeared off the last year, don't they? went, oh. Never have enough one. Wrong choices. The locusts come and eat. That's the story of many of our lives. Why? Because God is not first in your life. There's such a thing as divine principle. God cannot help you. God cannot work you. Cannot work in your life. Because you treat Him 
I always say like ATM machine. Huh? That's all there is. But can I encourage you? This year, can we put God first? First things first. So God says to you, as he said through the prophet Haggai, can I say to you, S-I-B-K-L, if you believe that this is the first message of the year and a decade, and I have searched and sought the Lord as to what to say, believe me. And if you really believe that this is the Lord, the word of the Lord Almighty, through this mouthpiece, I'm a postman. You have to take it seriously. So the Lord says, give careful thought to your ways. Not four times I was wrong. A very discerning member came to me after the second service. He said, Pastor, five times. I said, where, where, where? He counted to me. He was, she was right. Five is a number of grace. Five times. Five times, the Lord says to you. Ding la! Many of you are very clever one. You're not stupid. Huh? You've done very well in your business. You've got PhDs or so, some of you. Huh? Straight A, some of you. You're not stupid. So the Lord, being very patient and very gentle, unlike your senior pastor, <laughs> think properly. La. Give careful thought to your ways five times. Very gentle, very patient. You know, one of the things I noticed for me, after touching my 73rd birthday a few couple of weeks ago, I'm getting a little bit more grumpy. <laughs> I get irritated a little bit more than usual. Small things irritate me nowadays. Huh? That's why I said one profession I can never be is become a football coach. Because after the team has lost, uh, after the interview, the coach says, my team played very well. And always blame the referee one, no? For me, you're stupid. I'll open goal so you cannot score. <laughs> but God is very gentle. Very patient. Five times, uh, he tell you, uh, smart man, clever boy, smart woman, Thing. Why? Eh? So that when he acts otherwise, you can't blame him. Because he's given you time to think. That's exactly what happened to the children of Israel five times. Think. Reflect. Don't treat God as stupid. Don't treat him like anything. You want a mean business? Mean business with God. If not, forget it. Very simple one. Second thing we need to do. Do something. Do something. God said in Haggai chapter 1, verse 8, I want you now, this is the word of the Lord Almighty, to go to the mountain, chop down the trees, 
hard work. Huh? Bring the timber down and show me you mean business. If not, don't play, play. Bring down. Build my house. Extend my kingdom. And all of us have the ability to do that. The question is, will you do it or not? Why? Uh? You say to me, huh, pastor, it's nice but not necessary. What you tell me is, it's an extra only but not essential. It doesn't matter to me so much. I can say this one thing to you. It may not matter to you so much, but can I tell you, on the strength of Scripture, it matters to God. So if you love the Lord, if you sincerely honour Him, if you sincerely in the new decade and the new year want to move on with Him, if you really want to do that, huh, then you have to take Him very seriously. Why? Because he says in this verse, go to the mountains, bring down timber, build my house, so that I, God, may take pleasure in it and be honoured in it. Wow! You want to please God? Build His house in His kingdom. You want to honour Him? Build His house. Build His kingdom. Three things. My pleasure, my honour, my glory. You see, it don't matter because it matters. If you build my house, my honour is there. I am very pleased with you. And the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former one. It matters to God. So get involved, my friend. In your own way, however it is, you have enough network, you have enough opportunities, you have enough whatever it is. Can I encourage you this year? Do something. It's a mindset change, you see. It's a mindset change. The good news is this. If you look at the whole passage of Haggai, only two chapters, and we will look into it more in the next couple of months, the good news was that the children of Israel responded. Unlike Jeremiah. You know, when Jeremiah prophesied, they were defiant. Like, you're talking rubbish. No. They were rebelling. They were hard-hated hard-headed, stubborn, think a world of themselves. Bang! Disaster came. And they couldn't reverse it. The good news about Haggai, they responded to the Lord. So can I encourage you, uh, don't be defiant. Uh. You can never win one. You want to fight God? You can never win. Never win. But the thing is this. I close with this. God is no man's debtor. 
when you build my house and take care of my kingdom, if you want to come back to me wholeheartedly, you have to, as I said at a wash night service, rid yourself of your allegiance to foreign gods. There's only one God. You decide. You have to commit yourself fully to Him and serve Him only because God is a jealous God. But as you do that, God promised you two things. Bro, two things. Number one, I am going to be with you. I will bless you. Really bless you. When God blesses you, He blesses you. There'll be no holes in your pocket. Only two times the Lord says, I'm going to be with you. Number one, Matthew 28. If you preach the gospel and make disciples of all the nations, God says, all authority is given to me, Jesus. I'm going to be with you to the end of the ages. I'm going to be with you when you preach the gospel by word or by deed. But a second time, if you build my house, I'm going to be with you. Two things. So you decide. Huh? This is a promise of God to you and to me as we close this day. Hallelujah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Pastor Lee Chiu will give a wonderful message next week to continue the book of Haggai. Again and again, this is what the word of the Lord Almighty says. I am a postman. I deliver the message to you. You take it. Let me close with this story. 58 years ago, a young man bought shares in a company called Berkshire Hathaway at $7.50 a share USD. He bought 286,611 shares. Today, every one of this share, and I checked it yesterday, as of yesterday, one share of Berkshire Hathaway is worth 340,000 US per share. His name, Warren Buffett. In 2017, the cash and the cash equivalent of his company is 112, 116 billion US. The amazing thing is, he's going to give away over 95% of his wealth. But my point is this. Do you really believe that one share in the kingdom of God is worth all the shares of Berkshire Hathaway? Do you believe? If you believe, what are you doing about it? You tell me. If you really believe it, for the rest of the remainder part of your life, how are you going to spend your life and your time. Let's pray. 
Hallelujah. How about you to spend a moment of quietness before God? You don't have to go, don't go. You have to go, please leave quietly. This is a sacred moment. It's not the message, it's your response. I'm not going to give it an altar because I know that if I do that, everybody will come forward. There's no space. In a short while, I'm going to ask you, those of you who feel in your spirit, you need to respond to Him, to stand up. By standing up, you say, Pastor, not only do I hear your word because you're only the postman, but I received the letter. I received the letter from heaven today and I'm going to take it seriously. For this year, I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to lead my, especially the young, the men. Can I say this to men? I found out when I had a meeting with my pastors just recently, my other fellow pastors, that if a man the leader of the house brings the children to church, leads them in the US, this is the Abana research, 33% in US of the children will now go to church when they grow up. But if the leader of the house, the husband or the hand, do not take the lead to bring and lead their family and bring the children to church when they are young, only 3% of the children when they grow up go to church meaning men you have to take leadership you have to take leadership this year you must say to yourself I'm going to pray to protect my family I'm going to take exercise spiritual leadership I'm going to rise up and raise an Ebenezer to God and say thus far the Lord has helped my family not over yet so this day you decide uh, you put God first you put God first my friend you put God first and you stand still and see the salvation and the deliverance of God over your family so all heads bowed all eyes closed in the closing moments of this morning if you feel that God has spoken to you and you want to respond to him and you want to put him first this year for yourself, for your life, for your family, for your business. I want you to stand. Stand up wherever you are. By standing, you say to me and say to God, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and pray for you. You're going to lead you in a prayer to say, God, I want to do that. No matter how young my children are, how old they are, I want to take, especially guys, I want to take leadership. I want to take leadership and take back the years the locals have eaten and everything that has been destroyed. I want to get it back, Lord. Why? Because I believe in you. I believe in your word. I want to honor you. I want to love you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, these people stand both in the balcony as well as down here. We honor you, Lord. We love you. We take your word at face value that even as the Word of God has been delivered, stamped and posted from heaven to every one of us, we receive it as a letter from God. We receive it as the Word from God, written in the tablets of our hearts, engraved, carved. And from this day onwards, from this year onwards, this decade onwards, 
It's going to be a new page in our life. And all the mess of our lives will be wiped away. A new page written this time by the finger of God. And God will write your chapter, my friend. God will write it for you. God will write the new face of your life because now you surrender your life to Him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Hallelujah. When you pray this prayer with me, every one of you can be pray this corporate prayer. Are you ready? Left to right, front to back, top to bottom. One, two, three. Father God, on this New Year's weekend, we stand before you to rededicate our lives back to you as the family of God. We confess we have been unfaithful to you in the past. We have violated your holy laws and we have stubbornly turned away from your ways. Today, we repent before you, O Lord. Today, we will give careful thoughts to our ways as we come to you humbly to seek your forgiveness. We believe that as we humble ourselves before you, you will restore back to us the years of Lucas and You will heal us and You will protect and bless our children so that they will always love you and honor you. You will bless our businesses and prosper the work of your hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We declare you are a good God and a great God. We want to say we love you and we want to put you first in our lives this year. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And God's people say, Amen.